What we realized between Frank and I was that startups today need specialized operating partners more than ever. They would benefit much more with a partner who you know, acts as an extension of their in-house marketing, creative, and product teams, um, and has a flexible, agile model, you know, to work with them. And you know this very well, Brett, I'm sure with some of the startups that you've worked with, in three months, a startup can be a totally different company. And we, we wanted to structure our partnership model in a way that was flexible enough to grow with them uh, and provide value at any point in their funding or growth cycles. Thank you for listening. This is Brett Trainer, the founder and your host for Hardwired for Growth, a podcast where we strive to help first-time founders to scale their startups to a million dollars in revenue. Statistics show that only 5% of all startups ever reach that threshold. We believe this is more of an execution problem than an idea problem. We do this by having conversations with industry experts and the first-time founders who have successfully scaled their own businesses. Each episode will provide actionable strategies and tactics. The voice you heard a moment ago is that of Jack Chen, who is the CEO and co-founder of Swidia, a performance marketing partner for high-growth companies and venture-backed companies. Jack had 10 years and plus years, I should say, in the content and influencer space before co-founding Swidia. Jack and team are changing the way brands are thinking about growth marketing. They combine a four-pronged approach to growth, strategy, media planning, conversion-centric creative, and last and absolutely not least is analytics. The results have been incredibly impressive. They're working with brands such as Cameo, Dude Wipes, Radish, and others. They're becoming the go-to operating partner for high-growth companies. Areas we discussed today are the keys to really scale a company. You need to make sure that everything you're doing is trackable, measurable, and scalable. How complementary skills between the co-founders was the right combination for Swidia. Don't copy someone else's story, create your own. What is performance marketing and how to incorporate it into your startup? And how to successfully work with operating partners to assist with growth and the key questions to ask them. Before I take you into the intro, if you enjoy this podcast, please make sure you like, subscribe, and share the podcast on iTunes and the other podcast platforms. We would greatly appreciate it. Also, please make sure to check out the free resources page on brettrainer.com forward slash resources for downloads and to sign up for our new weekly newsletter. Now, on to the intro. You're listening to Hardwired for Growth, a podcast dedicated to helping early stage entrepreneurs and business owners who are looking for sustainable and scalable growth strategies and tactics. Here's your host, Brett Trainer. Hey, Jack. Welcome to the show. Awesome. Thanks for having me, Brett. Uh, it's great to have you. I appreciate you spending some time. To get started, why don't you give the audience a little bit of background on yourself? We'll do a full intro prior to this, but you know, Swidia, what you guys are up to, who you're working with. Uh, to get us started. Yeah, sounds good. Well, I am the CEO and one of the founders of a performance marketing agency called Swidia. We are based out of Chicago. Uh, We've been in this game for about three years now, and uh, it's been quite an experience so far. I I, I like to say that every day we get the pleasure of working with high-growth companies. Some of them are venture-funded. They could be like Seed, Series A, B, C, uh, and some of them are innovative brands. You know, they don't have funding, but they're just growing exponentially. So on our end, we get to work with these really exciting companies. And uh, on our end, it's just really one thing that we do, and it's to solve their unique challenges around growth. Uh, I know 
growth is is a pretty vague word nowadays, but uh, it's, it's yeah. basically through through four four facets. So we do strategy, uh, and that's anything between acquisition strategy, retention strategy, experimentation strategy. Uh, we're big believers in Brian Balfour, uh, so a lot of that stuff is inspired by him. The second thing we do is targeted media planning and buying, and so that's through paid social and paid search uh, and email. And then we do conversion-centric creative, and so that's short-form creative, engaging creative. We do that in-house, uh, and we iterate, and we create lots of versions of it, and so we, we kind of supplement that into our testing strategy. Um, and the last thing we do is marketing analytics, just because of the type of clientele that we work with, you know, data integrity, attribution is is a pretty pretty high priority uh, on their list, and so we want to make sure that marketing analytics is is up there and uh, and tightly woven into the, the the offering that we have. So we kind of use these things and we work together to solve the growth bottlenecks uh, that might be holding the company back. Uh, and our bread and butter is full funnel experimentation, developing iterative ad creatives, engaging creatives, all to really drive that uh, performance. Yeah, that's awesome. And you know, one of the reasons I you know love episodes like this is because we get to talk to founders and talk about their their growth journey. But you know, this the second part of this, I do want to talk about you know why you know you call performance marketing, performance growth marketing is really critical for not all, I mean, all companies, but especially startups and funded companies that are on the clock to, to hit revenue targets. But we'll come back to that. What I'd like to do is go back to, you said it's been about three years. You know, what was the kind of the genesis for the company? Was it a, a problem you, were, you saw in the market you were trying to solve? Take us back a little bit and, and how you get started. Oh man, it's um, as you know every every entrepreneur journey is is pretty crazy, um, and so mine is definitely no different than that. I want to say this about four years ago, probably a little bit more than that. You know, at that time, I was the channel growth partner and then vlog producer for social media celebrities uh, and influencers, and so what I would be doing is creating vlogs and creating, you know, growth channel strategies and, and help grow these YouTube influencers channels up to like the millions. Um, and, you know, someone that I did help with was Amanda Cerny. Um, and that group of, group of people that have somehow figured out how to, you know, develop hundreds of millions of impressions organically. And they're, they're all, cool. yeah, and they're all just, just, uh, just a fun bunch too. Um, and so that was really the, the peak of when the YouTube vlog influencer phase was, was like back in 2013, 14, 15. And so after working with them for, for quite a while, you know, I, I realized that, you know, as I was developing these vlogs, you know, like hundreds of just raw files dumped onto me and my team. And then we got to like turn it around into a cohesive story the next day and launch it on YouTube. Um, and then you see all these comments and we got to like analyze the comments, how we're going to grow it, how we're going to work with more brands to grow this channel. Um, and through that, I, I really got an insight of how content and particularly video content is evolving, you know, and, and how consumers are choosing to number one, engage with the content and then number two, purchase, make purchase behaviors and decisions from the content that they see. Uh, and so I was thinking to myself, you know, a lot of love brands, a lot of companies definitely aren't using this as a, as a way to grow their, their, their business. And so, you know, content and, and video was, was a huge, huge part of my, my reason why I wanted to get into this industry as well. And on the, on the flip side, I, I met my co-founder, Frank Zhang, who at the time was working at Accenture Strategy Consulting. And at that time, he was working 
uh, on business strategy, analytics, growth strategies for Fortune 500 to 100 companies. He did a lot of retail data skew optimization. Um, and he was a huge believer and still is uh, in big data, machine learning, AI. And he realized that you know there was this exciting opportunity for him to dive deeper into this industry as a growth and performance strategist, kind of taking along all of his insights. Um, and he's really a modern businessman. You know, his, his brain works in amazing ways that I can't even fathom. <laughs> I'm one of the best problems solvers. Uh, and so, you know, him and I teamed up. And what, what we found out was between the two of us, we had several friends who had raised funds for their startups. You know, we kept in touch with good friends and mentors who became VCs. Um, and it was pretty apparent that there was an opportunity to improve the growth structure that they needed support from. You know, no one really wanted to serve venture funded startups at that time because number one, they're pretty strapped for resources, right? And then number two, they have timely growth goals that they need to hit. Some of them are more aggressive than others, right? And most traditional agencies, they they just they definitely help out, but they may not have that operating model in place always to support that. You know, and, and am I and I in college I studied advertising and marketing and, and out of college just decided to pursue the entrepreneurial route, but I had I had an idea about some of the operating structure that was in place from some of the friends that I, I knew that worked at some of the bigger agencies. And so what we realized between Frank and I was that startups today need specialized operating partners more than ever. You know, they would benefit much more with a partner who you know, acts as an extension of their in-house marketing, creative, and product teams. Um, it has a flexible, agile model, you know, to work with them. And you know this very well, Brett, I'm sure with some of the startups that you've worked with, in three months, you know, a startup can be a totally different company. Right. And we, we wanted to structure our partnership model in a way that was flexible enough to grow with them uh, and provide value at any point in their funding or growth cycle. So um, at the end of it, you know, it was just clear that, there was an opportunity for us to kind of support and elevate the performance uh, for some of these companies. Yeah, that's so good. And, you know, I think, you know, 100% agree with you on how companies can look different. And I just want to recap some of the the value you you just shared there, you know, starting with co-founder, right? You found a complementary skill set to help drive the business. Two creatives would be tough. Two process-oriented folks would be tough. So, you know, complement each other. Your target customer, you were super clear on who you were going after, right? We need, we're going after companies that have received funding and the clock's running on how do they grow their strategies, you know, non-traditional. So the current services that agencies were providing or didn't want to provide to these type of companies weren't, you know, fitting the current model for what these companies needed and, you know, really looked at the, the gap and and growth strategies. So, you know, a lot of the things we talk about on the show are, you know, how do we think about it? Start with the target market fit, mm-hmm. the ideal customer, uh, co-founders, right, are critical if you're going to go with more than one that it's complementary. So you guys definitely checked all the boxes as, you know, you were starting to to grow the companies. And I think it's a good lesson for a, a lot of those founders out there that, to think about, you know, how do you fill that gap and, and don't be afraid to do it differently. And the fact that you neither one of you came from the traditional agency, opened your eyes up to, mm-hmm. well, why aren't people doing it this way, right? Right, absolutely. And, and I mean, even when we were working with Cameo back in their Series A to Series B phase, you know, it was astonishing to me how, you know, a lot of just 
there was so much opportunity to work with such an exciting company. Um, and, and part of it is, you know, a lot of people want to be charging, you know, just because Cameo is a fast growing company, that's probably going to be a unicorn one day. doesn't mean, you know, you go ahead and, and charge them, you know, a big agency fee, you know, right. and, you know, there's, there's a lot of opportunities in finding a partnership that's flexible with, with the company, you know, whether that's, you know, a give and take, you know, we, we just performance milestones, you know, there's different payment, like fee methods, there's different partnership ways to work with a startup that makes the most sense for them. And then you look at Cameo now and it's like, you know, they've, they've exceeded all expectations. Right. And, and right. they have, are one of the, the fastest growing companies um, at this time period in the podcast, which is 2020. And so, yeah, I think too, to your point on that, that, uh, I mean, you talked about the model just for growth for you know, VC or funded companies. I think a lot of companies are, they tend to overspend on assets, you know, and they use sales, but it could be marketing. It could be usually not in operations. They're not making big investments in there, but they don't need it yet. So the more flexible you can make that offering to kind of meet them where they're at and where they're going you know, the better off both parties are going to be as you, you try to grow. And that's one of the things I've been trying to use with, with my business as well is, hey, it's, it's different, right? You're not an established company. You've got some different goals. So how do you build the flexibility into the model to grow with the company as, as they go? So. Absolutely, absolutely. And, there, and there's several key levers too, right? At, at certain stages of companies, in, in Cameo's case, you know, at that time when we were working with them, it was all about acquisition. It was all about CAC and LTV. Uh, it was all about you know working with the product teams to get that data integrity, right? Marketing analytics integrity. Right. Um, and so as we're working with not only the marketing director, um, but also people on the product side and the data side, how do we link these things up together? You know, they they've got like hundreds and thousands of like videos, you know, from celebrities and reactions and. And how do we make sense of, you know, what's going where and how do we produce these into ads? And, and then once the ads are created and they're outperforming, how do we capture that data and attribute it properly without over-attributing? And so there's, there's so many things that go into, into play at different stages of, of a startup that we really need to be, be careful and cautious about which, where we're putting the efforts, right, and where we can dial up that effort. Exactly. And, you know, I have to ask you too, as you think back now over the three years, I know you guys are still starting your journey. Is there, you know, what are maybe some of the key lessons you learned as a founder through those, you know, first few years that maybe you would have done differently or had some advice for, you know, some first time founders that are maybe a little bit earlier in their journey? Oh, definitely. I, I think um, one of the, the biggest things I would say is keeping an iterative mindset. Um, and then we can dive into that a little bit. And an iterative mindset can mean a lot of different things. And, um, and I mean it more so in the element of like performance and testing and then creative content. And the second thing I would say is removing your, your self-bias. There's so much, so much natural and unconscious bias that we have as founders. Uh, and we think, you know, our product is the best. We think, you know, our ideas, you know, the one that's going to work. Um, but oftentimes, you know, we forget the fundamental idea and we all know this deep down. We just forget to execute upon it sometimes. But the truth of it is, is we have to look at the market, right? How do we keep up with the consumer centric changes? How do we make sure we're understanding what the market needs? How do we understand, you know, not only product market fit, but, you know, product channel fit, you know, market channel fit, market product fit. And so there's so many ways of looking at it than just, than just how I feel, you know, as a founder. And then the third thing I would say is, is finding the right advisors and partners, right? These are the specialists and mentors that you can count on from, from day one. 
Yeah, and that's so true, especially in the, the all three of them. But I, you know, from a bias standpoint, we always think we have the the right answer. I'm <laughs> I'm every customer. I know how the customers are. <laughs> exactly. What's well, my product? So I should know. I should. I know what they want, right? It's, it's, it exactly. I had somebody on the Brandon Matika not too long ago, and his you know the core of what he does is really around product market fit and customer intelligence, and it was kind of an eye opening episode in the sense of you know how deep do you go to understand what competitors are doing from the eyes of your customer. I'm like, whoa, okay, that's interesting. I mean, it's so true as he was, everything seemed, you know, intuitive as he said it, but, you know, really thinking about it from their perspective was, was kind of a different, kind of a different mindset. And it changed, you know, like I said, it can be humbling in some cases, but if you don't do it, it's just going to be a bigger and bigger disconnect from your, from your ideal customer. So Use that third party to to help you for sure. Absolutely. Awesome. All right. So what I really, you know, I love, I love the journey, you know, and like I said, you learning from your stakes, but still obviously working with some big brands. I'd love to get your perspective for, you know, businesses and founders that are starting to grow their business specifically around, you know, what you guys do with performance marketing and, and maybe can start us with, you know, your definition of it, because we traditionally, I think we think either there's branding or there's Facebook ads. And mm-hmm. I think what you guys have done is kind of at least got me to think about it differently. So maybe we start with what your definition of that is and, and why it's important for, you know, companies of any size, but ones that are really looking for growth targets. Right. At the end of the day, when when you're growing a company in the digital age right now and you have access to big data and you have access to you know different different tools and technologies and enablements, the key thing here is to really scale a company, you need to make sure that everything you're doing is trackable, measurable, and scalable. Right. And when we say performance marketing, growth marketing, whatever that buzzword is nowadays, um, it boils down to those three things, right? Is what you're doing measurable? Is it scalable, right? Um, and also, it, it can be iterated on. And so that, and that kind of brings me to my, my main point, which is, you know, on our end, we're so bullish on performance and testing. Um, it, it is in our DNA. It is in every conversation we have with founders. Um, it is in every client work that we do, right? It's always make sure you're testing try out different growth loops, you know, Brian Balfour, again, right. I keep, I keep going back to him. He's one of my, my, my biggest inspirations in terms of developing the right testing models, because this guy is just, he's, he's, he's shown us that, you know, the attribution model is so important, right. And you have to develop growth loops um, where you have a set of funnels that you can optimize, but you got to be careful when people say funnel, it can it can often lead you to get into this like mindset of I just need to get more at the top and then more out of the bottom, right? And what ends up happening is you're gonna hit a ceiling, you know, and you're not gonna be able to scale that model forever. Uh, and so that's why the, the tracking, the growth testing is really important. Uh, and then we're having like a hypothesis backlog to to iteratively fill that testing need. Uh, and so you know, what are you doing to cycle in new users? What are you doing to measure the actions? What are you doing to measure the outputs? I mean, so these are all the things that we want to make sure we're doing. It doesn't matter what channel it's on. It could be 
paid social, it could be paid search, it could be through email. Those are the three that we like to focus on. And paid social could be Facebook, Instagram, it could be uh, Snapchat, TikTok, Reddit, Pinterest, any of those can work, right? And, and people always say, well, you know, Facebook and Instagram is king. Uh, and, and while it is king, you know, Facebook and Google take up 70% of the digital ad spend, right? Um, it's important to understand more than that, the audience and where the action is happening, right? Just because something is working on Snapchat and Reddit doesn't mean it's going to work on Facebook and vice versa. Right. So it's really about understanding what your consumer journey is and how you can iteratively test both the channels, the audience, and the creative. You know, and, and all these all these elements. And when it comes to the creative content, that's that's my favorite part because that's what I'm responsible for. <laughs> um, you know, clients. What I find is they either can't keep up with the development of the quantity of creative at the pace of learning or they don't know which one to use, right? And so when we're doing things that are driving performance and growth, it's important to make sure that the tests are feeding insights, not only insights, but conversions as well, right? We're here to grow a business. We need to make revenue. Uh, and so the creative content is, is super important for that because you know, when we're testing, you want to make sure we're not just, you know, programmatically, you know, creating very low quality creative and compromising on the engagement of it, right? I think nowadays, I always say that your consumers have taste, you know, they definitely have taste. And, and when they see a poorly designed ad, or they see an, you know, a static image with some words flying across it, it doesn't resonate with them. Uh, and so that that is a testament to how well we understand our audience and how well we understand what's what's in trend right now and how consumers are choosing to engage and, and purchase from the, the content that they see. You know, the difference between them choosing between your brand and a competitor or just even clicking away, uh, right. it's not always on the targeting. Most of the time, it's the frontline creative and messaging that you're putting in front of them. And so when we're doing the creative, it has to be iterative, but it has to be iterative and also engaging. You know, we can't be lazy with it. Uh, and so we'll, we'll pump out like 100, 200 different variations, multivariate ads at creatives, but all without compromising on the, the look and feel and engagement of it. You know, it kind of goes into the, the mixture of the qualitative and quantitative, you know, where is your balance of art and science? And so right. um, that, that's, that's super important. And as a, as a first time founder, you know, the, you know, your, your biggest goal is not only developing the product and testing how, you know, the experiences as someone uses it, but also the, the fit in the marketplace, right? Product market fit, you know, at this day and age, that's like the golden rule. Right. Um, so as you're doing this product market fit, you know, don't take this as an opportunity, don't take, or don't, I would say, don't waste this as an opportunity to just, you know, be lazy with some of the like creative or like we'll figure that out later. No, it's it's a holistic experience that you're providing to your end consumer that and and so you want to make sure that a lot of your testing, a lot of your hypotheses are are on point and, and comprehensive enough for you to have enough insight to go back to an investor and say, cool, here are my insights, here's my findings that I've that I've developed, and I, I think I can we can put more fuel to the fire. Yeah, that's that's awesome, and you know I love the fact that you start with measurement. <laughs> All right, <laughs> you'll get my overs. Size simplified version of it, but yeah, it's it's so important. And is it also safe to assume that you know the approach for two companies is never going to be the same, right? You just can't yeah. take a cookie cutter and say, "Hey, we're going to do this in Facebook, we're do this in you know TikTok, and yeah, whatever I, it is, right?" I think I think the growth hacks are are, are cool. I think they they serve their purpose. But then at the end of the day, you know, like you said, it, it cannot be a cookie cutter method. It cannot be a growth hack that is in trend right now that you put all your chips in. You know, it's really about developing that growth engine. 
you know, how are you going to create a growth engine that's going to constantly, you know, develop new performance-based lines, increase your user acquisition, and then ultimately scale your company. And so um, definitely thinking long-term is, is, is key here. Yeah, no, it's interesting too. And, and, and the world has changed, right? The digital, you're, you're absolutely right. And if you're a B2B company, you know, there's some progressive companies that are, are using the digital channels more effectively than others, but there's others that haven't even started yet. And so one of the things I've been advocating is if you're a startup in the B2B space, there's opportunity <laughs> to go absolutely. after some of these legacy giants just because you can get your right message in, in, in front of folks. And so listening to, you know, what, and I love the approach, you know, test, measure, and really try to get in sync with your, your customer. So if I'm you know, I don't have these resources internally, or I may have some marketing folks, but realize I'm not getting what I need out of it. What's, you know, what's a good first step to think about, you know, performance and growth marketing? And I guess what I'm asking you is how, to, what's the best way to get started? I, I think the, the best way to get started is looking at your products and, and making sure you're not copying any you know, existing successful brands nowadays. I think oftentimes the, what ends up happening is a founder looks at a successful company and then they say, you know what, we're just going to copy everything that they did because it's it worked, right? right. Um, so what ends up happening is, you know, I'll take the DTC space for an example. Every product looks the same. Every product's value props are the same. Every product's ads look the same. It's all with this, you know, if you notice, if you've noticed and if you've received the ads, it's with this, you know, bright colored background, it's minimalistic. It's like a product with a lot of white space around it, you know, and, and, you know, it's always about like, you know, informality and the value props, you know, the way they're communicating is very human and inauthentic. And so while these are working for a lot of the DTC companies, we have to realize that it's, it's not going to always work for you as a founder. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I always say, you know, I guess to answer your question, the, the thing to get started is number one, make sure you're not looking at other companies just to copy them. And that's something to not do, I would say. Um, and I would say the first thing to, to definitely do is kind of looking at where some of the channels are that you're going to be successful in. You know, I always say Facebook and Instagram and paid social in general is a, an amazing playground for testing. You know, even if you're just throwing $1,000 for a month, if you set up the right tests, you're going to get so many insights around how your product is functioning, how people are perceiving it, engaging in it, you know, who is your audience. You're going to, you can take so much out of that one test where, you know, Otherwise, traditional methods of product market fit testing is a lot more expensive and, and time consuming, you know. Um, so definitely right. using using some of these these growth loops and, and methodologies to to test out your product is, is where I would say you should start. Okay. And definitely people should, you know, reach out to you and Swidia if they're thinking about this. But for some reason they choose to look at other, you know, maybe a traditional agency, you know, what are some of the questions that they should be looking or asking, you know, in a partnership, you know, if they're looking for help to help them grow a business? Because my guess is, and like I said, I've been around this for a long time, there's not a lot of companies that have this skill set right now in-house. And so if you're going to partner, you know, in your mind, what are, what are a few of the things that, you know, these, these founders should be looking for or asking? Yeah, I, I think the one thing I would caution um, if you're looking for partnerships, whether they're big or small, I would say it's, it's three-pronged. The, the first one is taking a look at some of their internal resources, such as their partnerships, 
find specialists in platforms and technology? Do they bring together people? Do they have platforms that they you know can give you access to? On our end, for example, we we like to focus it more on the specialists and, and subject matter experts for our advisory. So strategy consultants, advertising execs, growth marketers, creative storytellers, like we can't do this on our own, right? And so right. for us to build an advisory board, um, to have all these people from all these successful backgrounds is important when we're when we're kind of pitching partnerships. The second thing I would recommend that you focus on is like, what are you actually doing? Uh, and so oftentimes with traditional agencies or, or companies in general in the marketing and, and performance field, a lot of times they'll just be driving top funnel traffic into your into your business, which is great. But you know, realizing what you need and what they're going to be doing to help you achieve that is is going to be super important. And so, don't worry about being too nitpicky or asking too many questions. You know, for them, you know, it's all about it's a service company, right? It's a relationship. And so what are they going to be doing to grow your bottom line? What are they going to be doing to help you develop product market testing, right? And so you need to be be very, 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 I guess I would say tedious and, and you know, firm on how you want to work with them, right? And, and on their end, if they can't provide that value back to you, then, then I would say, you know, definitely look for a different partnership. And then the third thing is making sure they're not just going to assign you like a team account executive you know and there's nothing wrong with that you know and, and and i have the utmost respect to to bigger agencies right because they need to scale and they need to have these account managers but as a startup you need uh, dedicated attention right you need to be talking to the people that care a ton right and so making sure that you're not being assigned you know maybe a junior rep or uh, you know cd team is is going to be super important you want to be making sure that you're working with the the founders or you're working with the director of marketing or you're working with their their lead um, and strategists right and so i would say those three things you know and 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 oftentimes that's the one reason why i would say you know for founders definitely look towards smaller partnerships agile partnerships specialists uh, as a way to to grow this out instead of like a traditional big agency. Yeah, uh, it makes sense. And yeah. like we, we talked about earlier, it's really about finding that right pit, somebody that's willing to grow with you and yeah. provide the the right resources. So no, that that's awesome. And all right, before we, I know we're starting to run low on time, but before I move to the the closing time question, what's next for you and Swidia? What's what's on the next you know six to twelve months for you guys? I think we've had an amazing, amazing run. You know, we've had the pleasure to work with like passionate solopreneurs. We've worked with, uh, I think I mentioned earlier, amazing companies like Cameo, you know, Dude Products, uh, Outstanding Foods, VC firms and funds. I, I think for us right now, it's really finding the next tier of partners with a real need to do this right. Um, that's both on the, the client side and then also the, the partnership offering side. You know, I, I think we'll be definitely doing a lot more events. We'll be doing a lot more things like this, right, with, with uh, interviews. I think we're going to be involved a lot more with new technologies, partners, and platforms, working with other agencies and brands, uh, maybe even developing our, our own growth testing software soon. But I think on our, on our end, it's about making sure we're keeping, keeping on pushing the boundary. I can say one thing, there's a, there's a big focus on us right now to kind of look at how overseas companies are trying to come to America to develop go-to-market strategy. You know, China right now, you know, their startup and venture, venture game is insane. It's 
there's a huge growth in, in startups and technology there just because they are able to iterate and, and test so much faster because of the sheer density and population size. Uh, and so they're coming up with some, some great products and great startups. And a lot of the companies there are, are just trying to see how they can tap into America. Um, and so, you know, me and Frank both being uh, Chinese and being able to speak the language and understand the culture, uh, it's a big opportunity for us to to work with some of these companies coming over from from China and helping them with the uh, go to market strategy in America. So that's that's really exciting on our end. Yeah, that's awesome. And we'll probably have to have you back on another twelve months to to update us on <laughs> on your progress. But you know, one I guess the biggest takeaway, and there's a lot of them coming from this episode. But yeah, you kind of summed it up there. You know, test, measure, and iterate. Right. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's the way you need to be thinking about growing your business. If you can't measure it, then you can't test it. <laughs> right. And how do you change it if you don't know if it's effective? So I know it's super simple, but highly powerful, and, and more companies actually need to to do this. So absolutely. All right, Jack. So uh, like I said, I really appreciate your time. This has been you know, highly valuable and I appreciate that. And I always like to end with a, a closing time question. Okay. And this could be personal or professional, whatever your okay. choice is. But what is one thing that you would highly recommend? Uh, since we're talking, talking to fellow founders, I think the one thing I would highly recommend is finding a partner that compliments you. Um, and this means both in personal and business. Uh, so personal, if, if you're choosing, you know, uh, to find a, a partner, to be in a relationship with somebody romantically or, you know, get married, I think it's uh, it's really important to find that person that's going to support you long term and that understands the kind of ups and downs you're going to go through as a founder. Um, you know, you've signed up for for quite a roller coaster <laughs> if, you, if you're deciding to be a founder. And so along that roller coaster ride, you want to make sure you're you're with somebody that can understand the 16-hour work days, you can, that can understand when you're going to be stressed out one day and then happy the next. And so you want to find a partner that can help make sure they understand that and support you both emotionally, physically too. On the business side, obviously, you know, finding a partner that compliments you is is the reason I'm here, right? It's the reason why the majority of startups are the way they are to grow. You know, um, Jobs wouldn't have had Apple without Wozniak, right? Swedia would not be Swedia without Frank Jack, my partner. And so these these are the things that you need to keep in mind. I know as founders, we think we are superhuman um, and we can do everything ourselves and we know everything. But, you know, finding that partner and letting, letting them do what they do best and letting you what you do best uh, is going to be super key, right? And if you haven't found one already, right? And I always say, you know, it doesn't have to be just one other partner. If, you, if you're a product, most likely you'll have a tech guy. Most likely you'll have a business and then a marketing guy. Um, just finding the right mix of partners is going to be so key for you. Yeah, no. And I think that's such great and underappreciated advice, especially on the personal side. You know, the business is going to be tough and that journey and process is going to be, you know, like I said, a coaster is going to be ups and downs. And if you yeah. you're, you're, don't have that support at home or a, a spouse or significant other that's not along for that journey, it's going to make it <laughs> really difficult on you as, as you go through that. And yeah. I think the other piece that just taken away when you mentioned, you know, the partner in the business or co-founders, I think it was Izoto that had, I want to say there was five co-founders in that business. And, you know, they made it work because they were all complementary and aligned to the same goal, right? They mm-hmm. may have disagreements, but at the end of the day, they were all still, you know, on board with the purpose and the, and the direction. So 
again, in theory, it seems so easy, but I think it's really an under underappreciated attribute for for founders. So. Absolutely, the, the the mental and emotional aspect of it is is going to you know it's it's going to be tough. But yeah. um, but but that you know, it, and when I say tough, um, it's going to be fun. Yeah, <laughs> it's what I really say. Um, it, you know, not to, not to be a Debbie Downer. Uh, it, it's it's exciting. You know, you're going to come out of it, and you're going to be like. Man, I, I just went through such an amazing, amazing roller coaster, and you're going to be able to look around you and, and see everybody that was there with you as well, and, and you can look at your partner dead in your face and say thank you. And it's going to be, it's going to be one of the most exhilarating and fulfilling, you know, times of your life. Yeah, hundred percent agree. And you know, like I said, it's it's about the journey. If you're waiting till the end of the roller coaster, you're going to be right back where you started. Right? <laughs> Absolutely. So if you don't enjoy it while you're on it, then you're probably not in the in the right role. So, right. Right. Jack, if if people are interested in learning more about you and reaching out, what's the uh, the best way for them to find you? Uh, the best way to find me is probably through LinkedIn. You can you can probably just type in Jack Chen and then Swedia, S-W-I-D-I-A. Um, the other way to reach us is through uh, the website, uh, Swedia.com. If you just send a message and mention, mention me or whoever you want to talk to, I'm sure I can put you in touch. We're always around uh, Wicker Park in 1971. So if you're ever on the area, just hit me up. Awesome. And yeah, I highly recommend you check out their website. A lot of their creative is really cool. And the, the thing, like I said, I go back, Jack, our conversations is I appreciate about what you guys are doing. It's just not a flash in the pan chasing the, the most recent channel. It's really around measuring and understanding, making sure you're getting the most out of your dollar as you're, as you're growing. So again, Absolutely. I really appreciate you taking the time today. There was a lot of knowledge. You know, I, I'll suggest to folks when I do the intro that you have a pen and a piece of paper and write this down because I do believe that if you want to grow a company, this is one of the foundational pieces of it. So, so Absolutely. thanks again for taking the time today. And like I said, we'll, we'll check back in with you here in the, the not too distant future. Awesome. Well, I appreciate the time, Brennan. And I just want to say before we wrap up that um, everything that you're doing is is just equally as, as fantastic, you know, providing resources and learnings and, and bringing experts in to talk about some of their insights and share it to, to founders is, is definitely, um, you know, something that I wish I had and I, and I wish I will continue to, to find more learnings as, as well. You know, I'm learning from yourself every day too, as I listen to it. So um, right. definitely you think you're, you're doing, doing some great stuff too. So I appreciate it. that. It, that means a lot. So <laughs> good times. All right, Jack, you have a great rest of your day and we'll catch up with you soon. All right. You as well. Bye-bye. All right. Thanks. You've been listening to Hardwired for Growth. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player or visit brettrainer.com. That's B-R-E-T-T, followed by his last name, T-R-A-I-N-O-R.com. 